There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Pod 21 of Red Side of the Trent. I'm your host Christian Brown, back in the hot seat today. And once again, I'm joined as usual by Rhys Lane, Adam Wicklow and Lee Clark. Been a very productive week for Forest, where they've taken six points from possible nine. Uh, first off was a... Harsh 1-0 defeat away at Luton, but we bounced back very quickly with a thumping 4-0 victory over West Bromwich Albion, which was topped off by a 1-0 victory over Peterborough United. That result now means that barring an improbable 21-goal swing, and even by Forest standard, that's very improbable, Forest will be in the top six come the end of the season, given that Millwall's result elsewhere. So, lots to talk about, lots to be positive about as well. We also, However, we are going to start with a negative first, just get that out of the way early, and then move on on to the happier stuff. So we'll start with the Luton recap. And Reese, I think it was a very tough one to take. I think given that the least Forest deserved, I said the balance of play was a point. I know the first half wasn't vintage performance by any standards, but I do think over the course of the game, we were a bit hard done by not to be leaving with anything. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so as well. Um, it just just scrappy game. It, it, it was just what they wanted, Luton. Um we we know what Nathan Jones is like. We don't need to go over what he's like again. Um, the referee played into their hands. It just made it very very scrappy, very stop start. And then he's given, and then really there's two decisions, which one is given in Luton's favour, the handball, and then the other one with the Spence, um, where he's offside, not and he's scored, and he's not given that for us. So you know, on another day we could have got a result out of it, but. You know, it's one of them, you know, it was a frustrating afternoon, but there is several ways to skin a cat and win a football game. And, you know, you if you're a Luton fan, you go away and you're absolutely delighted. So, mm. obviously, the positive for us is we've bounced back with two really good wins and we've nailed pretty much the playoff place now. So, not the pressure off, but we can relax a little bit and try and have a go for that top two and, you know, see how close we can get, really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was, yeah, it was, just, it was a bit just frustrating, I think, as well. There was a lot of other things that came into it. But yeah, so Lee, I mean, it could have been very different uh, for Forrest in the Luton game had Lewis Graben taken that guilt edge chance that came to him very early doors when the, doors, when the game was obviously still nil-nil before all the chaos and drama kicked off. I mean, I felt that Graben looked quite rusty on that. The whole game was a high. It was his first start for a while, but that's the sort of chance you'd expect him to be gobbling up more often than not if he's in form. Yeah, I think if that was a few months ago, he would have buried it, wouldn't he? Um, yeah, I thought it was an interesting one. I mean, Steve Cooper doesn't get much wrong, but I thought his decision to deploy Graben in the hole behind Davis was very, very strange. Um, 
One thing that Philip Zinkanala doesn't get a lot of praise for is the fact that he works tirelessly to keep things moving quickly. Mm. That's not Grabbin's game. Grabbin, every time he got the ball, he just slowed everything down. Um, teams like Luton, we love that phrase, don't we? Teams like, but <laughs> teams like Luton, they sit in, um, they they thrive on little mistakes, and Grabbin made lots, um, and it just their confidence grew with every 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 misplaced pass and every poor touch. Uh, every time something didn't quite go right. So, yeah, it didn't really work for me. Um, again, it's probably not a slight on grabbing as such. I mean, I think I speak for everyone on this podcast when I say that we are, you know, firmly in the, the team grabbing camp. But, you know, he does have his flaws. And one of them is that he, he has to, if he's playing in the team, he has to play as the striker. You can't go kind of pissing about and playing him as a, a number 10 uh, when you've got... One thing we have got now is a squad where we shouldn't be putting square pegs in round holes and, and frankly, putting Graben as a number 10 is the squarest of round pegs in the, you know, roundest of holes for me. No, I completely, yeah, I do completely agree. And it's something that it did, you're right, it did slow us down quite substantially. Adam, one of the things, obviously, as Bruce mentioned upon earlier, was the, the penalty claim, which obviously me and you were watching from Sky and... Even on the, they showed multiple replays, and it, it, it could have come off Colback's elbow first, but then Bree slaps it away like it's an NBA steal. I mean, it's it looks like six of one and a half dozen the other, but unfortunately, it's one that's gone against us on this occasion. Yeah, it's it's a tough one, obviously happening at such a fast speed as well for for the referees. But um, I don't think we can complain too much. I do think it hits Colback, but I just think the distance between him and James Bray is like, where can Colback realistically put his arm when he's running in the opposite direction and James Bray manages to control the ball pretty well, in, in all honesty, to send it back the other way, if you know what I mean. Like, I don't know where Colback can possibly put his arm that's not unnatural, if you know what I mean. It's just, it's one of them. And obviously, it being so close, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's an odd one. I mean, I think you've seen him give him all the time, but I mean, like Warrell had one earlier on where he stood in for the ball and it hit his arm way more blatantly than, than it did Colbacks and it wasn't given. And I think maybe the referee probably thought he got that wrong and maybe gave it for that reason. But we can't really complain too much about the referee because he was terrible for both sides. Yeah, uh, We'll get on to the sending off later because that was a shambles. But... Mm. The offside rule kind of confuses me, and I'm sure we'll talk about that as well. But I didn't think we were good enough. I don't think Luton were good enough either. So I think a point like Reece said would have been would have been fair. But from from our standard, we weren't good enough anyway on the day. Yeah, no, that's, that's a fair point. It's yeah, uh, even the moral one though. I mean, Warhol's got his back to the ball when that ball comes in. So if he if he had thought that, oh, you know, I, I've got that one wrong. Again, it's just a, a shocking, again, a shocking official, the referee. I, mean, I don't want this to become like a refereeing slanging match, but as we'll go through the part of the other instances where refereeing decisions have been cut our off, but we will go on to that offside decision now. And um, and obviously, Adam, this for you, you were quite, so at, you know, the rule being sort of like fully digested. It is a stupid law because you can be in offside position and the defender kicks it off and it goes to you. In his armside position, it still counts as onside. But Reese, I mean, Murray summed it up. Glenn Murray summed it up for me perfectly after the game. He was like, "The officials have let Forest down here," and well, really, they have. I mean, how can how do you legislate for 
Like, obviously, we would ask Lee this because he's the official, but we don't, you don't need to be an official to see they've got it so badly wrong here. Well, you know, in my opinion, never had control of the game. That's why I think, what was it, 11 players booked and someone got sent, sent off. And, if you know, if you watch the game, there wasn't any, like, malicious kind of challenges in the game and it wasn't like a free-for-all and f- f- to have that many players but was crazy you know going back to the handball I was one of the lucky ones who did get to go and at the time I did think Colbert handballed it but I thought it was outside and then obviously watching the replay it's very inconclusive that one um the offside this is the problem, isn't it, with football in the modern day? No one they changed the rules that many, that many times now. No one really knows the rules. I think even the refs sometimes don't even know the rules. So what what chances a you know a fan got of knowing the rules? Um, that reminds me of a goal in you know the Euros um, between Russia and Belgium. Um, Lukaku was miles offside, but the Russian defender tried to play it and absolutely cocked it up yeah. and Lukaku went through and scored it went to VAR and they gave it so that you know that obviously must be the rule nowadays um, so a little bit hard done by but like Adam says we want it as usual standards and the way the game went it was just it was perfectly set up for Luton they're going to make it tough there it's a tight compact little ground it's a tight pitch and it was a scrappy game, and it it was either going to be one moment of magic, which you know Zinkenagel was very unlucky with yeah. one that hit the post, or you know something like a decision, you know a set piece, which it was a penalty, what decided the outcome. But you know it it was frustrating, you know like like I said in the last comment. Thankfully, we've you know we've produced two back to back wins now. We've, forgotten about it as much as we've had to cover it no that's very true I mean, there was a goal similar um, sort of Lukaku but there was one I think it was Mbappe I can't remember if it was a PSG or for France but again very similar like he was in an offside position and obviously had his defender not touched it he would have no doubt been flagged but of course the defender tried to play it to stop it out and like Adam said to us it's a stupid law because the defender has like, instinctively has to try and stop that ball but if he gets it wrong, he puts a player in on, on inside. Oh, whatever. But if someone's offside, they're offside in my it's, yeah. it's just ridiculous. You know, the, these rules, I'm sure these rules are made by people who've never ever played the game before because just crazy. Making this, it more, this, this, more this is why confusing. I didn't really, this is why I didn't really complain too much on social media or even our group, because I just thought, well, Spencer's offside. Like and he, and I found it perplexed that Cooper even come out and said that we had a goal rule, wrongly ruled offside. I think if that goal had been scored against us, I'd have been fuming. Uh, so it's one of them. But it happened on Friday night. Uh, Jordan Rhodes scored one where it's hit the uh, Barnsley defender, gone to Rhodes' path, and he's put it in. And, he, and the linesman initially flagged for offside, but the referee spotted it, it hit the defender. So gave it. So it's just, it's, it had the it's consistency. Is, that's yeah, exactly, that's, yeah. All, that's all it is. Um, but yeah, that, well. That's that's all I've got to say on it, really. Yeah, it's just infuriating, but we move on. And um, so Lee again, it was referee was obviously baffling for both sides. But Sonny Bradley's red card decision, what did you make of that? I mean, it seemed a bit like, I mean, by that point, he obviously lost complete control of the game, and obviously that that was represented as we just uh, covered with the amount of um, cards that were shown. But what did you think that? What, what can you explain the referee's thought process as to why that led to a red card decision? 
But yeah, I mean, I think the beauty of it, they're obviously mic'd up on the, the professional games, aren't they? So I think what's happened is the referee will check with the assistant. Um, obviously, the assistant's kept his flag down. Um, so he presumes that it's come off um, a defender to slip Surridge in. Um, you know, ultimately, in that instance, that's the right decision. But obviously, we've seen the replay and we've seen that it clearly comes off a Forest player. So Surridge is at least 15 yards offside. Um, I think with the beauty of VAR, it just gets overturned and it's an easy one to solve. But, I mean, it made me laugh that little weirdo, Nathan Jones, coming out. And of all the wrong decisions that the referee got, well, the officials got in that game, bearing in mind his player, his team's had eight books and one sent off, and he's he's bemoaning that one, which, frankly, in real time, that is so difficult to... I mean, it's literally a split second. Hmm. Um, it's so difficult to, to suss. And I think the expectation on the pitch was that the officials were actually right. It wasn't until that you know that the Sky cameras picked up the replay that I think it was the same on Sky. I think Andy Inchcliffe needed five looks at it before he went. Oh, actually, it's come off a Forest player. So yeah, the officials are wrong. I mean, it's easy when we do that, isn't it? But yeah, it, it was wrong. I mean, it clearly come off a Forest player. Um, but unfortunately, we couldn't capitalise anyway. So again, Nathan Jones was moaning for the sake of moaning, I guess. It was quite frustrating, actually, because I mean, watching on TV, I'm, I'm sure you would have been saying, you could hear, actually physically hear Jones. So obviously the, the cameras were behind them. You could hear him just constantly, ref, 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 the whole fucking game. Like, honestly, yeah, I, I never... It was so interesting because, like, you typically, I mean, even at my level, if, if I think referees typically do zone out from the dugout. It's typically the linesman and that sort of stuff. But I think looking at how the, the linesman performed on that side, it was clear that he was impacted by I mean, it was sort of anything for an easy life, I thought. Um, and that's not me questioning his integrity. I think it just, sometimes you do feel like that. I think sometimes you do what's right for the, that particular game in those particular circumstances. If you've got one manager who's jumping up and down like Tigger on the touchline and it's a 50-50 call, you've got to go and stand next to him. You know Steve Cooper's not really going to say anything to you, but Nathan Jones is going to bite your ear off for the next half an hour. Anything for a quiet life. And it seemed like that to me on, on Good Friday. I thought... I thought the assistant was very poor, to be honest. He, he kind of couldn't wait to get involved with the, the key match stuff, which there's, there's an old saying at any level when you're running a line, you're there to assist, not insist. And I think he, he practically wanted to ref the game. Yeah. Um, he thought it was his big day out on the TV and it, it was a shame for us. But I suppose if you talk to West Brom fans, they think we got the rub a few days later. So it, it, it kind of does, um, to a certain degree, even itself out, I suppose. Yeah, although the points gap would suggest otherwise. But yeah, yes. one of those things. Anyway, as I'm going back to a uh, similar thought recent about how Luton sort of, it fell, the game fell into their favour. There is a good chance that Forrest will be playing Luton in the playoffs because I think Luton are pretty much locked out for fifth at the minute. They might get fourth, but I can't see them really finishing higher than that. With our games in hands, there's a good chance that we'll be either third or fourth, assuming we don't get seconds. So what can we learn from that encounter that we can take into the playoffs? It'd be worse to play Luton. I think at home we don't have that much to worry about if we play them because our pitch is fairly big and we can make it wide and make them move a lot route, move them and get in behind a lot easier. I think. And to be fair, they were they were aggressive against us, especially against Spence and Johnson. Didn't really give them enough uh, any 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 time on the ball, sort of thing. But again, that would play into our hands at home. I think away we may look to adapt and go a bit more direct, um, playoff playoff Surridge or. Uh, Davis if he's available for the playoffs and and get in that way and, and make and make it 
equally as difficult for them because they just stopped us from playing really, and that that was their game plan. That really said they were just just breaking up play by giving a, giving away fouls and and making it a difficult difficult game for us and not allowing us to play our football because I think they know full well that if if they let us do that they they'd get walloped mm. in all honesty. But, but everyone's got a a way of playing. That's just that's just how it is. It's not it's not my not my favourite way, but you know. Luton are up there for a reason. They've done obviously very well on a shoestring budget. No, yeah, you have to compliment them for that. I mean, it's easy to see. Well, it's easy to see how teams have come on stuff against them, put it that way. And mm. but yeah, we'll we'll move on. Anyway, we will move on now on to a more happy note because the next thing we're going to talk about is the West Brom game. And Reese, this was a vintage Forest display. I mean, it, even when they had eleven men and even even when they had 10 there was no real difference Forest were much the better size they much like stamped their authority and they've even you could see, you could see like the urgency the intensity from the first few opening minutes there was no way they were going to let that game slip out of their grasp No but it become it become a training exercise to be honest in the end um, you know once obviously you know West Brom got the player sent off and Brennan, to be fair to him, stuck that penner brilliantly into the corner. West Brom's heads have fell off. Um, and then when you're, you know, allowing James Garner puts a absolutely brilliant ball in and, you know, Ryan Yates again, absolutely on the money and brilliant. Uh, the bullet header, um, you know, early in the season, the lad couldn't have a ball, it seemed. But now he's, you know, literally, I, I, like Adam always says when, he comes to games with me, he's literally like a magnet to the ball and you've got to give him credit. He gets himself in there and, you know, the criticism probably early in the season of him was just that final product and he's, he seems like he's put that right now. Um, and, you know, and that, and then it just it just become a training exercise once it freed him up before half-time. And yeah, from a West Brom perspective, the second half performance for them, it was just embarrassing. I'm, I'm, I'm not being funny but come out come and have a it just Bruce just sat them in a block there was never ever gonna score they never come near our bot yeah there was punting it up to Andy Carroll who was winning the odd flick on and there was no one running off him so we just got the ball back and it was just perfect for us that you know to preserve his energy and then you know brilliant finish from Soros to get the fourth mm. but yeah it, it was become a training exercise in the end and it was fully comprehensive win for us thankfully what, what I found it was very similar to obviously um, I'm sure you, you would have seen Newcastle play under Bruce before he got the chop mm. and whenever Newcastle played a top six sides they would play the exact way they played in the second half just everyone behind the ball no space no movement no, there's mm. no it, it just, no attempt to try and it, it just reminded me of Chris you and you know Steve Bruce and Uton back in the day you've had the success fair play to him it's on the CV but now, you know, I think their day's done there. Mm. Um, I've got, I forgot about, how did I forget about the third goal? I mean, I'm sure you're going to ask that to one of the other lads, whether Colbert meant that and not, but <laughs> I mean, that was just, um, you know, that sums it up, doesn't it, really? Absolutely incredible goal to witness live. And mm. to, to, to be fair to Colbert, he's, he's deserved that. He's been the unsung hero of the season. Um you know, at the start of the season, it was debate. You was either, it seems, if you was Team Yates or Team Colback, and whatever side you was on, the other one was the problem. And them two have 
epitomised Steve Cooper of the improvement they both made because they've become absolute indispensable members of the squad. No, definitely, uh, it's, it's a fair comment. And, and, and one playing out of position as well. He's not even yes. a, a natural left back, so crazy. Yeah, it was, it was quite funny here. Um, looking after the game and seeing that Warnock uh, hammered the, the selection idea of playing Carl back at left back, only for him to put a man in the match display and score a goal like that. But never mind. Um, it was also interesting, you're right about uh, one thing you mentioned, how Carroll, I mean, with the flick on, why, I, t- taking Carl and Grant off, I get obviously a man down, but every single flick on that Carroll won and nodded it backwards, because Grant wasn't there, we was just going straight to a red shirt. Like, you saw Figueredo, Warrell and McKenna just go, all right, you can win that. If it's your, as long as you're facing your own goal, I don't care. Because the second he nodded it down, there'd be Garner or Yates just there to swoop up, and that was it. Ball back in our hands again. It was just bizarre, bizarre tactics from West Brom. But that's their problem and their mess to deal with. I'm not going to get any sympathy from me about a team who's got parachute payments, so fuck them. One thing I found quite uh, notable, was that the West Brom players lost their heads so early, so quickly. Like, experienced players like Livermore, I know Livermore's normally hard work anyway, but they just seemed like... It didn't take much for them to just implode. And obviously when... OK, fair enough, it might have been a bit of a touch of fortune with the second goal because it was clearly came off Spence for the throw-in. But for the um, the handball, I mean, the ref... You can't not give him a second yellow for that, surely. Like, I saw um, Holloway try and defend him on Sky after, um, when I got back home and sort of said, like, oh, you know, he's an honest lad. But honest as he doesn't come into it, he's put his fucking arm in this guy. <laughs> like, it's a clear handball. Like, talk us through... Um, yeah, that sort of lack of discipline from them and obviously the penalty call, which not that we need a clearing up, but we do so anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, it's just the Steve Bruce aspect, isn't it? I think he's gone into that dressing room and a lot of the players aren't really buying into what he's trying to do. So, you know, I think the game before the playoff hopes have kind of become impossible. Well, they won, didn't they? But they kind of needed a good win against us to throw them right back in the mix. Um I think deep down the players have known for weeks that playoffs are, are not possible. It it just smacked to the side that don't really buy into what Bruce is trying to do. I mean, three 0 down at half time and they came out with two block two banks of four to, to frustrate us even further. It's like, you know, we'll go in with a three 0 now if you want. I, I just ex- still expected the response with the players they had on the pitch. I just expected the response and it was very strange, like you say, them losing the Reds. Um you, you look at the players on the pitch, Carroll, Livermore, you wouldn't expect experienced players to be doing that. I mean, I'd love to know what Carroll's got on Steve Bruce because <laughs> I think Carl and Grant cost West Brom 15 million, didn't they? Mm. And you've got to make a change when you, you're right wing back. Um, I think that's where Furlong played, got sent off. And I, for all the world, expected Carroll to be, to be jogging off and having an early shower, to be honest. But when Grant's number came up, I thought, wow. <laughs> you know the game's done. The game's dusted. We, if Scott McKenna, Joe Worrell, and Tobias Figueroa can't keep thirty-five-year-old Andy Carroll quiet for eighty minutes with a man less, then we don't deserve to get promoted. So, yeah, that was music to our ears. I thought. Um, in terms of the penalty, yeah, I must admit, in real time, obviously, I sit at the other end. Um, I thought it may be an arse yellow card. I, I thought it was clearly handball. I mean, the player reaction told you that something had happened. Um, but yeah, when you look at it on the telly, the, the shot's going... The keeper will, probably would have saved it, I think, but the shot is definitely going on target. So for him to just stick his arm up on a yellow card is just 
absolutely clueless. Surely you just you kind of make out you've made a block there and just hope that your keeper saves you. I mean, what he's doing, sticking his arm up, is is just baffling, to be honest. Yeah, it was very bizarre to see. And like, you actually made a very good point. Actually, you could tell when a player reaction that like it wasn't the frantically gesture referee. It was like, oh shit, what's coming next? You could see like in their faces, like this isn't good. And with just cause as well, mm. Adam. It was one nice part. Obviously, Brennan Johnson had some penalty redemption after his miss against Sheffield United, which cost us two points, arguably. Very good penalty. Very, very good penalty. And one of those, it felt after you saw the keeper's antics before, where he was trying to get to Johnson's head and started mouthing off. And like, I even saw him like, have a little go at the, the spot as well. So for Johnson to stay calm and to bury that as accurate as he did, was, no, it was very, very nice to see. I think for a 20-year-old who's taken responsibility for obviously costing us potentially two points at Sheffield United, we'll never know if he scored that, we'd go on to win it or anything. But it's nice to see that he's put that right. Um, I mean, he's buried it right in the corner. Reese was uh, pessimistic and said he'd miss. Um, I was like, well, I can't believe he said that. But um, I quite like that Johnson shithouse the keeper afterwards and just told him to, to shut up. But then David Button obviously kicked the ball at him and and then that even like got the crowd going even more because she just absolutely hammered him for the rest of the game, which was which was brilliant. And I mean, you love you love to see players' heads fall off, don't you? Yes. Know what I mean, um, yeah. So yeah, fair play to Johnson. He's he's put that right. Um, I mean, he's a he's a man in form. I think that he's been in 10, 10 goal involvements in his last ten games as well, which is what you want to see from mm. from a, a forward player. And. Long may that continue. Yes, absolutely. Long may Podcast it. bingo there for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll also go back to, as you mentioned, Reese uh, Yates's header. And obviously, you're right. Because I mean, my main criticism before was that, like I said, he, I, I'd never seen anyone in my time at Forest who can run and time his jump better than Yates. But the execution was just never there. Because like you'd have the one like utmost like top, Unreal, like standards. Oh my god, how's he like? Like, he's a magnet to the ball. He's like, he's always beating his man, timing his jump perfectly, timing his leap perfectly, but his finish was always abysmal. Obviously, that's changed this season. And that, that was as an emphatic header, as I think you will see all year from anyone. That yeah, that bullet, it just flew into the corner. It could be two men in that line it was going in. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> James Garner like turned around and to the main stand when Yates met it and did like the Eric Cantona celebration against Sunderland with the cut. <laughs> um, yeah, like, like I said, it was a brilliant header. And, you know, it, it's, I think, a good thing to see as well. You know, when when Ryan had turned his form around, there was a lot of like, oh, you know, it was, you know, the, the Yates fans against the Yates who've criticised him and, you know, now that I think that's all like kind of gone now, and let let let's let's have it right. You know, at the start of the season, who wasn't criticised? The, the old team were a joke. You know, we, we know that's down to the manager, but the players, when they're not performing, the players should get it as well. And like I said in my last comment, Jack Colback was under criticism. You know, Lewis Graham, you know, he still gets criticism now. Ryan Yates got a lot of criticism. You know, off us especially. So. I'm delighted that these players have turned it around because I just want Nottingham Forest to be successful. Um, and Ryan Yates has epitomised that this season. You know, he, he 
he's, I mean, there was even a period when it was, you know, Garner was kind of the number one centre mid and it was always oh, it going to be Yates or Colback and they've still, they both found to way into the side and stay there. So, but yeah, back, back to the goal, you know, he met that perfectly, didn't he? It absolutely flew in, no chance for the goalkeeper. And, you know, yesterday, I did have a little punt on that Garner assist and Yates goal yesterday and it, he did he did meet it into yesterday, but yeah. unfortunately it was the uh, the eights of earlier on in the season. He couldn't quite connect with it properly. But um yeah, I think it's nine goals um for Ryan Yates now. And you know, I think we all had a little chuckle when David Johnson said that earlier on in the season, but fair play to the lad. Um, you know, you wouldn't you know, you wouldn't wouldn't put it past him getting that one in the next few games and getting double figures for the season, which for you know, would you say you wouldn't really say his attack he's made his ten goals for his position is very, very good. Fair play right. to him. Who who would have thought Garner and Yates would be the new Young Min Song and Carry Kane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think I think I I've seen on Twitter is it four <laughs> times they've they've combined them two now. It's for two centre mids combined four times for goals is pretty decent going. I, think, I, think, I don't know if you've seen that stat, Christian, as well. I think Yates has scored the most from set pieces this season. I did see that, yeah. Which is quite so, I mean, that's that's another, we- that's another weapon to our arsenal, do you know what I mean? Especially when you go into playoffs where the finest of margins could be decided by a set piece. I mean, I mean I'm not, he's not the biggest lad in the world, is he, as well, Yates? So... Like, six, 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 one, six, two? Maybe not. I think is, 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 is he that tall, is he? Maybe six, you know, he, yeah. yeah. Like Adam says, I keep going back to his comment, but he's literally a magnet to that ball and he gets himself in there and fair play to him. Delighted. I'm, I'm delighted. for. Yeah. I'm not arsed about this because I gave him some stick here on the season. I'm, I'm going to suddenly not want him to do well. I'm, he's playing well for Nottingham Forest, so brilliant. Long may it continue. As we've as we said from the start, so if Solomon's Forest do well, we will benefit. And that's sort of matters, really. Not. We were very, we were also treated, of course, to uh, Jack Goldback. Jack Goldback? Jack Goldback's <laughs> got a goalless season contender. Uh, Lee, obviously, I know we're, uh, we're both big fans of Goldback. Although Goldback does have a good ring to it, to be fair. And uh, we wouldn't be saying that he bad against Peterborough. But do you think he meant it? I mean, I've seen at a time I wasn't sure, but having seen replays, especially the one from the Altman angle, on the Forest website, uh, Twitter account. I think he does try and strike that towards goal, you know. Yeah, I mean, I must give credit to the lad I sit next to at the match because straight away he said, you don't cross a ball like that. He's meant that. And I, I was a bit sceptical, I must admit. I was thinking, yeah, it's Jack Colbert, though. I mean, as he tried to just, you know, fizz in a, you know, a, a telling cross, you know, one of those where you just fly it in and hope that someone gets something on it. But, yeah, as soon as I'd seen one camera angle at half-time, I was like, he's meant that. You, you just don't strike a ball like that with any sort of cross, whether it's a, um, even if it is just one of those kind of hit and hope crosses, you don't, you don't, the technique's not like that. Um, I think he, he knows it's nearly half time and he's just put his laces through it. Um, I, yeah, I just, now I've seen it back, I, I do think he meant it. I think if it doesn't win goal of the season, it'll be an absolute travesty. Well, it, it might win ours, but it won't win the well, goal of the season yeah. because, uh, as it turned, even Spencer didn't get nominated because it turns oh. out, um, which is quite funny. Uh, apparently, Don Goodman kicked the goals. 
Mm. And shock horror, there are no forest goals in there. Who would have thought that? Yeah, he's, got oh, no, he's got no excuse saucer. for the call that one either because it was on. It was a live televised game. Yeah, I mean, he was there. Uh, I'd get like, it more. Oh. I'd get it more if like it was a, a Saturday three o'clock when we're not live. Then fair enough. But I mean, yeah, it's Don Goodman for you, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, hell of a strike. Absolutely hell of a strike. And yeah, absolute privilege to watch that in the flesh. We'll move on to someone else who, uh, Adam. So we look at Sam Surridge. I mean, he obviously put the the icing on the cake, really, or the cherry on the ice on the cake, really, uh, with his goal to make it 4-0. And, you know, it was, it was interesting seeing Cooper saying afterwards that, you know, he was, um, Cooper was adamant that, Sarge has worked so hard and he really did you know, he did really harry and press that back four like relentlessly even by again with 11 and 10 like he's, he did deserve that goal and I thought it was really nice it sort of came to him he took it so emphatically as well but um, very much a man in form at the minute Sam Sarge yeah absolutely he's he's bided his time for Forrest I think that's his three starts and three goals and then obviously a couple off, off the bench for us um, he's become a an astute signing, really, especially mm. at a snip for two million, and still a fairly young player. Um, yeah, he worked really hard. He, he missed. He had an air, air shot in the first half when it was a, it was a brilliant move. But yes. I think the ball just come across him so quickly. I think if he got any contact on it, he'd probably hit the target at least. And I think that's what he he, he seems to be quite good. His, his movement is is very good because he's not he's not absolutely rapid or anything, but he's quick. He's just, it, He's I quick, but he's not. He's not. Quick, he's yeah. not going to like. He's not going to burn a man. He's not going to absolutely. He's not going to catch up. He's not going to give someone five yard head start and like burn them. If you know what I mean, unless they're like a wardrobe kind of sort of player. Mm. But he's he's um his movements good. He's persistent. He's patient. He's a team player. Um, he waited all night for that for that uh, chance against West Brom. Uh, and fair play to Zinconago. It was a, a nice little ball and. And sorry, just let the keeper make his move first, and he just lifted it over him, sort of thing. But um, he's definitely going to get his chance, obviously, now till the end of the season because we don't know what the extent of Lewis Graben's injury is. But I'm, I'm very happy for him to lead the line because I, I trust in Cooper. Cooper got the best out of him at Swansea, so and he's doing it now at Forest. I think he's, I think he scored five goals in eleven shots. <laughs> pretty mental, isn't it? And uh, yeah, long make say we're going to need something up front to put goals. Uh, Put the ball in the back of net and let's hope it is Sam. Anyway, uh, we're now on to the most recent game, which was the Peterborough game, which was a 1 0 win, which sent the posh down, which is unfortunate for them, but it's what it is. Um, I mean, they've been terrible for 43 games before that game. I don't know what you want me to say. Um, but, uh, Reece, the first thing you said to me after the game was because obviously we spoke about how much we made it quite hard work, but your exact words were at this stage of the season, it's points over performances. And really, that's very true. And again, if you're going to play, if you're going to win playing badly, it's not a bad sign, especially if you know it's a one-off as well. It, it, it did remind me of the Luton game, really scrappy. Um, but the difference between Peterborough and Luton was obviously Luton could grind some at it. They couldn't. I didn't. You know, we, we were nowhere near as best. But like you know, that quote I said to you, that's um, what you take at this stage of the season, and. There was probably two bits of quality in the game from us. One, which was a goal. You know, that, <laughs> I was literally about to shout at Brennan Johnson to carry it, and he put that was a that was a brilliant ball. And Peaks you know, yeah. I mean, Surridge, if he didn't score that, you'd be disappointed. Um, good header. 
into the ground, into the far corner. And then the probably the second bit of quality was when, you know, James Garner completely split their defence open and you know, Graben was one on one pretty much, but for some reason he, he checked back, which was a bit odd. But you know, I didn't think Peterborough really caused us any trouble. You know, I think Samba made a couple of basic saves, but they never really looked like scoring. And you know, you know, you always felt Forest like they had many teams probably this half of the season. Forest had them pretty much at arm's length. So yeah. you know, it could it could have been. It was probably a little bit of a tricky one on paper because obviously they needed to get a result. They needed to win and believe to stand stand a chance. And you know, but I think, like you said, Christian, I think when you're that many points behind, you're you're talking miracle talk, and they probably know deep down that they're preparing for League One. And with the manager they've got, I know you're not a fan, but um, and some of the players they've got and the backing of the chairman who's backed them to be fair, Darren McAntony, he'll probably come straight back up. Because if they can keep Clark, Harris and Marriott together in League One, they'll score 40 between them if they can keep them fit, definitely. So, um, yeah, it was, um, you know, a good a good win in the end. Good, you always take a win away from home and a clean sheet, another clean sheet as well. So, yeah, we'll definitely. take it. No, I think you're, you're right, actually, because it seemed like a weird atmosphere at full time. It wasn't, it wasn't like, you know... Obviously, just been sent down, and even the players. There's a few on the on like on their knees very briefly, but the mood was generally like well, we sort of knew this was coming. It is what it is. Versus, yeah, uh, some something I've noticed for us as well, because you know, with our fans, because we're at the business end of the season, that uh, it is a bit touchy in no way, and because it's been so long since we've kind of been at this stage of the season. You know, we usually either you know mid table or just in the middle of nowhere really so you know I think you could the tensions there you can tell it with us fan base because you know we've this team's done so well and we're now like I just said at the business end of the season we want to get over the line because I think we'll all agree we'll probably if we do finish in the playoffs I think we all think that we're the best football inside in there but it's just navigating past them teams who aren't as good footballing wise but will be tough to get past the likes of Luton and Huddersfield so mm. I'm, uh, hopefully we can, get, we can avoid all this stress and get top two but that's the aim that's you the know aim. that would be incredible we'll <laughs> we will see indeed so the one thing that was quite telling for all of us was that you know in our predictions we all sort of felt that Peterborough would be you know, the hard uh, the easier game and West Brom would be maybe the more difficult ones because the players they had and they picked a few points beforehand, of course. Obviously, as the week uh, transpired, Peterborough had an outside chance of survival. So, Lee, I mean, it made it a much harder game than expected. But how do you think Forrest dealt with that, knowing that you know, you're playing against a side who one minor slip up and they're down? Yeah, I mean, I'm a firm believer that at this stage of the season, three points is all that matters. I mean, it's... You think about it, and yeah, we all sat here and said, yeah, it should be an easy win, but we didn't really know two weeks ago that it would be Peterborough's last chance to kind of stay in the division. Mm. Two teams have gone. They're the only ones that can catch Reading, and that, that's football for you sometimes. Sometimes you can be rubbish all season, but I think Fulham did it in the Premier League, probably going back 10 years ago now, and they, they had like a minging set of fixtures. They had like five games left, and they needed to win four of them. I think they went to, went to City and won. 
I remember like Diamanzi camera turned into prime Batistuta for a month and they stayed up. They were like 10 points adrift. And it, it does happen in football, that can happen. And yeah, Peterborough aren't quite, you know, they're not blessed with loads of quality, but they had a good win against, did they? I think they beat Barnsley, didn't they? On, they did beat Barnsley, it yeah. It's the Monday. Mm. Yeah, so that gave them a bit of confidence. And I think that the fact that everyone down there has been as shit as each other has kind of kept the relegation battle going for as long as it has so it was always going to be a bit tricky when that was the case but thankfully we did get the goal and and we did manage to hold on to it um it could have been different i think some other teams perhaps not as good as us might have lost to peter on saturday just because you know again i didn't see the whole game but it, it sounded as though they were up for it and they did show a bit of fight yeah that's a fair point that's a fair point it, it would have been interesting to see if there was like a side in the beach perhaps that had gone there what would have happened but Obviously, we'll never know. Adam, so also as, as you just mentioned about Sam Sarage, again, you know, chance felt, chance falls to Sarage, he puts it away. And actually, Sam made a very good point, actually. I mean, there was two very good points about Sarage, actually. So one said that he reminds them a bit like a bit of Patrick Bamford, which I can kind of see, to be honest. And I'm not just talking because they're both tall and blonde, but they do actually have a lot of similarities to their game. And the second was that I don't think I can remember a more composed finisher in front of goal than Sam Sarage. Because you know, even with Graben, even with Earnshaw, you go further back, even with Johnson Harewoods, I was a kid, like when the ball came to him in the box, you thought, oh, this is a great chance to score. But when the ball comes to Surridge, you just think, nah, nothing but net's in. And I don't think, I honestly can't remember the last time we've had that, if at all. Yeah, it's, um, <clears throat> it's a difficult one. I think like with with Sam Surridge, I think Colin Frey has said it numerous times with, with uh, Laws and Hodge especially, he He's just got a. He's got great technique. Almost, he, he just finishes with with such confidence, and um, it's nice to have a box kind of striker like that. Because you think Lewis Graben is like that, but he does miss quite a lot of chances. But you'd say Graben's probably better in the build-up play than maybe Sam Surridge. But you can't really. You what you, you need players to score goals at vital moments, and he did really. I mean, like. We, we score on the stroke of half-time, I think it is, and, and, and really sucker-punch Peterborough, who looked, uh, seemed to like that, seemed to knock the wind out of their sails almost. Second half, obviously, they tried to throw the kitchen sink at us and we kind of made it into a bit of a basketball game where we had chances on the break but couldn't quite completely finish it, but we, we didn't really need to in the end. But yeah, it's, it's good to have, have a striker like that because you, you kind of think if he gets one half, I mean, we've not really seen him get a half chance yet, but if he gets like, a decent chance you think if he hits the target he's got a very good chance of scoring I mean even look at that goal he got disallowed against Huddersfield where it, it's come across him he's got in front of his man and like just slotted it home unfortunately the referees got it wrong on that day but it didn't matter mm. in the end but he just seems so calm and composed it's great it's great yeah it's, it's very good to see although sadly as, as you just touched upon there I mean one person that wasn't so calm and composed in front of goal is there was Lewis Graben uh, race which you know, on top of him getting, you know, there's a bit of a cause concern if he is injured because it does leave us short going into the playoffs, depending how severe it is. But those misses were very uncharacteristic of him. I mean, as you mentioned, the first one, if he sort of takes one touch and buries that, it's in. The second second one, which we haven't mentioned yet, obviously Lolly puts the ball across the box and finds Graven unmarked, pretty much in the penalty spot. And he just tries to take it first time, he shanks it into the away ends. <laughs> I mean, it's a very... You know, it's it's unusual. To, I think I noticed it against Luton as well. Graben was very rusty, but that was quite concerning 
to, to, for him to miss those chances. I know obviously he had one that's allowed for offside, but yeah, that and the fact he's injured isn't a good combination for Forrest at the minute. I think the first one I'm speaking from experience here, the reason you check back like that is because you don't think you've got the pace to get by that that last few bits. That is, because I kind of do that because I definitely haven't got any pace anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> that Yeah, because you, you, you kind of you think the defender's just going to go by me and nick it away. So that's probably why he's just checked back. Um, but, you know, as a professional footballer, you, you know, I'd expect Graben to go through then probably go across his man. So obviously he either makes a, the defender makes a foul or whatever. The second one, to take that first time and put that in the top corner would require some ridiculous skill. I don't care what anyone says. He just needed to take a touch there because, like you just said, Chris, he had the space. Mm. To like put it with the outside of your foot in the top corner when it's coming across your pace, if he'd have took your torch, he would, probably would have had time to pick his spot. And the, the thing is, the goal, what was offside, was typical Lewis Graben because he was through. The goalkeeper jumped. He literally waited that split second. The goalkeeper jumped to make it big and he just rolled it underneath him. Yeah. You know, but, you know, we, it's fair to say now, I think, you know, Graben isn't, if Keenan Davis and Surridge are fit, he's probably his third choice now, but, you know, obviously Davis is um, injured for the rest of the season. If you know them, rumours are to be believed. We still want him in and about the team. I don't. I'm. You know, I know everyone's got their opinion on him and stuff, but he is the type of player you you can bring on. You know, his experience and he, and he can still nick you a goal. Hmm. You know, he's still he's still you know, scored a dozen goals this season, and he's been probably out for most of this half of the season. And like the list I put on Twitter earlier of his goals, the amount of points he's won, his goals have won us. So he's still, you know, a valuable member of the squad. Not probably not of the first eleven anymore. But he's, you know, we we want him about for the rest of the season, definitely. Yeah, I would agree. Hopefully that injury isn't too severe because one, obviously no one likes seeing people injured, but two, obviously it could be very detrimental to us, especially if we are to finish in the playoffs, because we will need to work Lewis Crabbe's experience. Lee, you mentioned this earlier with Zinkenagel and how he does like, link up. Like, he does... <laughs> I think it's difficult because he's such a frustrating player to watch at times because like you think like the miss against Liverpool should have scored. The miss against Blackpool, the one-on-one he should have scored. Um, the free header at Luton, he should have scored. Obviously, we, we didn't even talk about that. Obviously, he hit the post, unluckily. But it just seems that when it comes to doing the simple things... With Zinkenagel, he always tries to do the more intelligent or clever thing when the easy option is the best option in that instance. And he always gets unstuck because of it. And that's probably why he is where he is in the championship as opposed to playing with Watford in top flight. But it was it was notable. I know he had a big hand in the goal, uh, obviously feeding Johnson down the left to cross it. But Zinkenagel was bad against Peterborough. Like he was bad. And, you know, it's we know Cooper's very patient with his subs. We know he doesn't normally act that quickly. Like, generally speaking, if you see a sub before the 65th minute, it's normally been an injury. But bang on the hour, Zinkeg was hauled off for Lolly. And, you know, it had been coming. Like, his first touch was appalling. Like, the ball was cannoning off from everywhere. But when he is so, as you mentioned earlier, when discussing the Graben in a 10 roll, when he is so important to joining up our play, is it a case of when he has games like this, we have to sort of, like, almost swallow it and be a bit patient because we know what he can bring when he's on a good day? Yeah, I think, I mean, 
it's kind of a frowned upon player that we often discuss on this podcast. But if you look at Carvalho when he was here, <laughs> his moments of magic were magic. Um, mm. But they were all too infrequent. Uh, I'm not for one minute. Zinconagel is better than Carvalho. Don't get me wrong. Don't mistake what I'm trying to say here. But ultimately, I think as a number 10, things will go wrong for you. And I mean, you're right what you say there. I mean, when Zinconagel keeps things simple, he's excellent more often than not. I mean, was it Zinconagel who played the ball through for Surridge against West Brom? West, West Brom it was, yeah. All Surridge, it was yeah. was a little cushioned pass, but it, the weight of it was just absolutely... I think Surridge only touched the ball once, and that was purely because of the weight of the pass. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's other examples as well. His ball for Spence against Leicester was, again, exceptional. That was, for me, his best performance, and it came against the Premier League side. Um, so, yeah, it is frustrating. I'd, I'd probably agree that with a player like Zinkanov, you just have to kind of trust the process a little bit. Yeah, I, I get we've got a squad of players, but in that position, there will be times when, like you say, if he's been hauled off after an hour, then Cooper's clearly not happy with his performance. And, you know, it looks, looks as though that was the right sub to make. But... Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's anywhere near as bad as, as some have suggested. And I think if we were a championship club next year, um, I wouldn't be averse to seeing him come back, to be honest, if, it, if a deal could be struck. I think it'd be difficult because I think he's got like a stupid five-year contract at Watford. Yeah, I've turned course, out for a long time. And of course, yeah. they're going to be a championship club again, so uh, they might want to take a look at him. But yeah, I mean, I, I do give him a, you know, cut him a lot of flack, if you like, I suppose, just because I think... You know, we say he's got his flaws, but you look at his numbers, his numbers have been pretty good. So yeah. there is a player in there. It's just a, it's perhaps a, a composure issue. Perhaps sometimes his, his confidence isn't quite where it should be. And, it, 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 you know, that does attract mistakes. But um, it was funny because I thought he had a really good game when he came on against Lewin, but he arguably missed the best chance that, you know, probably anyone else on the team would have buried. Um, so it's kind of difficult to give him, you want to give him praise for his all round play, but. At the same time, he's missed an absolute sitter. But, yeah, I think there's a player in there. And I think uh, I would be of the opinion that with players like that, sometimes you just have to trust the process and let them play them themselves into a bit of form. No, it's very true. I mean, he's got uh, six goals and nine assists in 43 games in all competitions. Hmm. So, I mean, if you, I mean, it's one of those, at the start of the season, someone says, oh, we'll get you 15 goal involvements. You'd be like, oh, great, yeah. a good signing. But it's just like, I suppose it's just a position where we sort of like, know he can do better, know he can do more. And uh, at the stage of his career now, he's 27 now. He's not he's not like a young kid. He should be a bit more consistent. It's mature, almost but... like, I, I sometimes think there's still a bit of a stigma with loan players sometimes. I sometimes think if, if one of our own players had had, you know, if it was, say, if it was Carvalho, because he, he, obviously he was our player, and he got six goals and nine assists, people would say, oh, yeah, that's a great return. But because he's not ours, I think it's almost a bit of like reverse psychology that some fans don't want to be, too closely attached to Zinconarvel because he's essentially probably going to go back to Watford. Yeah, that's also potentially a fair point looking at it. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens this summer. I mean, I, I if we were to get promoted, I don't know if we would sign him. I don't. But... No, I, I, I don't think I'd want him back if he were to get promoted. I just think he, he looks like a. I think he looks like a, a good, solid championship footballer. Almost the um, sort of Cameron Jerome bracket of too good, well, good enough, very good yeah. championship player, but maybe not quite for step above. And I think he is 27, isn't he? So he, he should, yeah. in theory, be approached. If he's not in his peak now, he will be getting the in the next 18 months. So yeah, yeah you're not you're not really going to go dishing out a. And on the flip side, he's probably not going to swap a five-year contract at Watford on probably stupid money for a three-year contract with us. So there's lots of uh, 
teased to cross and eyes to dot with that one. But yeah, if we were a championship club, I wouldn't be averse to seeing him come back, definitely. That's fair enough, yeah. But moving on again, so Adam Brennan-Johnson became part of a very elite club in that he's now part of a double-double in that he's got 10 goals and or at least 10 goals and at least 10 assists in the championship. It's now 15 goals and 10 assists. Obviously 16 for the season with his um, strike against Leicester. I mean, for a 20-year-old, that's absolutely insane off the charts levels of goods, really. I mean, it's very difficult to find worse to sum up how good that is, but I will task you with that. So, uh, yeah, double-double, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's all right, isn't it? <laughs> like, work, like work, yeah. So it's all right, yeah. I think it's people always cry out for this 20-goal striker, don't they, in the championship? Mm. Um, and I think him getting 25-goal involvements... Um, it's still just as good, if you know what I mean, because he's, he's providing either or. So it's good to see. It obviously shows how much of a team player he is because he's he's getting the assists, he's getting the goals and he's getting the opportunities. Um, he, he, he can be in and out of, of games. like we, we can all admit that, but yeah. you keep him on because there is a moment that he could pop up with, with something, whether it's an assist or or a goal. So... He's just one of them players that's kind of I call it a luxury player because you like you're not expecting him to do absolutely everything, but he he does he does some amazing stuff. I mean, even off his off the ball, he, he closes angles down. He kind of picks his moments when to press and not press. And I think he's uh, an intelligent footballer for for a young man, and he's got a massive career ahead of him. Obviously, especially if he can get in. If if it's not with us and it's with another club, if he's got a a good manager that's going to give him the opportunities to play and thrive, then he he can do no wrong really. I I don't think I think he's got all the attributes to to make it as a a top player really, and and that's credit to Forrest and and their and the coaching staff really. Yeah, definitely, and yeah, it's, it's, I think above all else, it's been good that. We've had we've got a full season out of him, I think, really, and yeah, we've obviously massively benefited from it. The fans have benefited from being able to watch him play week in week out, and obviously he's benefited from it as well because his his like uh, growth as a footballer, development wise, just skyrocketed over the last twelve months. Which and you know, fair play to him for making the most of the opportunity. But we're now going to move on to something we haven't done before and haven't had a reason to do before, of course, and it's because well, we haven't really had. It, it's always been focusing on Forest first and foremost, but now, you know, given the, the stakes at hand, we have a little look at you know the running for other teams. And really, there's only ever one other team of note that I'm looking at. I don't really care what Huddersfield do. I don't really care what Luton do because obviously we put the games in hand to leapfrog them anyway, or further extend our gap on them. You know, I'm, I'm, I look at Bournemouth's fixtures, and uh, so they've got so this play exactly the same time as we do. So they've got Swansea away on Tuesday they've got Blackburn away on Saturday they've got Forest at home obviously next Tuesday or Tuesday the 3rd and then the last game of the season is a home game against Millwall who could of course have you know a playoff space sixth place still in their grasp now all I'm saying is I think it's very improbable we're going to have to win all four of our games to stand a chance but I think second is on personally this will be the moment where it all crashes down into jinx now and that's it, we're fucked. But I, I, I can't see Bournemouth getting any more than... They won't win all four of those games, surely. If they do win those four games, they deserve it. Fair play to them. But 
I just wanted to know what you guys uh, thought of that little running. I'll open the floor to you guys. You can fight amongst yourselves who wants to respond first. But it's quite uh, quite something, isn't it? <laughs> it's just the same about that point, wasn't it, yesterday, right at the end as we were coming out the ground. Mm. Um, I seen it on someone's phones were coming out. I was like, I think uh, they're doing an expletive word. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the balls in Bournemouth's court. You know, they 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 should see it through. To be honest, um, you know, they're they're the ones with the parachute payments. They're the ones who signed all these players in January. You know, they're the ones apparently with this manager who Tottenham should have got last season, despite the fact Fulham took them down, according to the media. But. You know, it's 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 going to be tough for us because we're playing the best side in the league away on yeah. Tuesday night for one. Um, I know. I think is it a point they need to win the league um, on Tuesday, which is a shame. Really, they didn't kind of see it through yesterday, and that would have, you know, made it. Um, you know, maybe they've had a few too many sherbets on Saturday night, and they would have been thinking about. You know which Balearic Island to go to on holiday, etc. But um, yeah, it, it, there's a there's a chance definitely. Um, I think the aim for us is you know we've got these two games before we do play Bournemouth. If we can cut that gap by them to three points, where if we were to beat them, we'd go above them on goal difference. Then be interesting, and then <laughs> yeah, that last game at all would be uh, something. So. Yeah, it's de- definitely it's definitely a chance, you know. Bournemouth for favourites, but we're in the mix, and you know that playoff place is pretty much secure now. So we can, you know, that kind of worry can go a little bit, and we can have a right good crack at it, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I think what was quite nice was, I mean, when even when we were walking out of the ground yesterday, and like you know, we'd seen that Borough had drawn with Swansea, so that meant that you know. They're nine points behind us for three games to play, and even they won all three games, and we lost all three games. It's still a twenty-one point swing. Obviously, Millwall drew, and it was just like, yeah, okay, cool. What's next? Like, if you'd asked, if you said that to me in January, that you know, Forest would cruise to into top six with two with four games to play, you know, we'd have like sacrificed body parts that needs to be in the top six in like January, February time. Because I thought it generally would go to the last game, but we had a, we were still fighting to get into it. We just absolutely just breezed into it, um, and yeah, it's just nuts, like absolutely the, nuts. The, the the interesting thing about sixth for me is usually the team who finishes sixth is the one who gets in with a bit of momentum. Yeah, um, and no one seems to really want that sixth position. Everyone's like stuttering a little bit. Millwall have had a decent run, to be fair to yeah. him, but it's I like Sheffield United are very. Sheffield United, yeah. yeah, Sheffield United, very inconsistent. God, imagine Millwall in the Premier League. Imagine <laughs> 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 Millwall and Luton playoff final. Millwall and West Ham in the Premier oh, League. God, can you, God. can you imagine the overseas television <laughs> companies watching that spectacle? Um, <laughs> no, 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 everyone's stuttering, aren't they? That sixth position. I mean, Alderson and Huddersfield, you'd say, are pretty solid. You know, Luton can grind results. I know they drew with Blackpool yesterday, which was a strange one. But you look at really us and Huddersfield, we're probably the two who have not, you wouldn't say they've had any like freak results. Like you look at Luton, you'd expect them to beat Blackpool yesterday at home. Like Sheffield United losing at home to Reading. That's bizarre. You know, and bizarre just, that. Yeah. just results like that. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Definitely. I guess you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let, let, Yeah. Adam, yeah. 
I think like with with us, we've we've got that kind of a freedom now. I think like the shackles can be off, can't they? Because yeah. if Free if hair. we yeah, like I I, I can't see us. Um, and I mean, like give it like twenty one goal swing. I don't think it's going to happen. Not happen. I mean, Borough no, especially got that last five games <clears throat> of collective effort. Yeah, like, I think I think Cooper's too. He's too smart and too street smart for that. And I think the players know that um, we've got such a good opportunity, but we don't take anyone for granted. Um, I think we we take everyone very seriously and we play football the right way. That that time under Lamucci, he he cowered um, to to try and get into it. He he didn't go out and attack teams. And if we'd gone out and attacked teams, we would have got in the playoffs relatively easily that season. Um, So... We we haven't got that manager. He he's a different mentality beast. Steve Cooper is. He's a winner. He's a he's a true born winner. He he kind of he he kind of epitomises a bit of like a a, a Klopp in a way of terms of like not really had like a glamorous career at football like as a professional, but um, so his demand is so high of players that are obviously a lot better than he was as a footballer, and I mm. think that's what's so good about him almost because he's getting the best out of these players who've had far better careers than he's ever had that which is which is i find is is, is amazing um bournemouth should get there they've got two home games really where you expect them to to win at home so for, yeah well i know that it's, it's but they they're going to be the favorites aren't they so for us, it's a free hit. I'm, I'm not going to be too disappointed if we don't do it. It'd be nice to, to go to the last game where, if, if they, the way we both have to win that our game sort of thing. So if they slipped up and we won, then then we'd get there. But we, 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 <laughs> the, the the whole thing of us being so poor at the start of the season and and to even think to get in the playoffs is incredible. So I I, I can't really moan too much if we don't get a second because I think in the playoffs I think. We've got a good a chance as ever. Um, we can do both sides of the game. I think it's just um, it's the away leg would be would be the one, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a future pod because I, I do think we'll be coming back to talk about playoffs. In, in my honest opinion, I hope I really hope we're not. I hope we. I, I, I honestly hope all four <laughs> yeah, of well, us yeah. watching is like a neutral observer. In fact, I don't even think I would watch if Forest were in it. I wouldn't even care. But just yeah, we'll have to wait and see because that bridge has when we get there. But. The fact that we have a chance, despite giving the league a seven-game head start, is absolutely remarkable. And, you know, this has been such... It's the first time in 11 years that Forest in the playoffs, again, I say that with a little asterisk next to it because there is still a 21-goal swing that could be caught, but or mathematically anyway. But, yeah, it's just, it's just been an absolute rollercoaster of a ride and we've loved every second of it. So as we've mentioned, Lee, you know, we sort of looked at Bournemouth and, as, as you're right, as we've... Uh, Right, touch upon. There are teams who, you know, do break in sixth out of nowhere and better, better form sides. I mean, obviously, you know, it didn't work for us in 2011. It didn't really work for Swansea in well, the year we blew up. But you know, it is more often not if you do break into those top six spaces on the last day, you do come with a lot of momentum and teams don't want to play you. Especially if, for example, you've thrown away automatic promotion, having been there all season with a game to go, hint, hint, touch, touch, touching woods and uh, crossing fingers. But see, for me, there's only two teams that can really do that. Sheffield United, who have got a three-point um, buffer at the minute. They are Borough 
and Millwall. So Borough's last three games are all wars of attrition, really. They've got Cardiff and Stoke at home and then Preston away. I mean, none of those games sound like appealing matches for the neutral. And then you've got uh, Millwall have got Peterborough at home, so just been relegated, nothing to play for, and then Bournemouth away last game. So if you were a betting man, having you know seen those run-ins, obviously with Sheffield United being you know, three points clear as well, who would your money be on sixth place going to? Tricky, isn't it? Um, if I was a betting man, I think Sheffield United will stick in sixth. Um, I watched Middlesbrough against Huddersfield and I thought they were absolutely dreadful. Um, you know, it was one of those sort of games where you sit there thinking, this league is just bonkers. I mean, Middlesbrough, I know that we had Hewton in charge for the first one, but Middlesbrough blew us away twice, really. Um, it, it's such a strange division because in Chris Wilder, they should have had a manager who should have been you know, propelling that squad comfortably into the playoffs. They should have been a comfortable playoff side. I mean, I think when they were playing Huddersfield, that was their fourth home defeat on the spin. And it was like the fans just weren't even bothered. It's like there's something wrong there. I don't, I don't know if all this Wilder to Burnley talk has kind of dampened their, their spirits a little bit, but there's something amiss with me. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Middlesbrough didn't win another game, to be honest. I'll be, I'll be honest. I just, I just, there's something wrong there. There's, there's got to be. I mean, it looked like they had a lot of chances against Swansea, admittedly, but Swansea do play the sort of style where they'll have a go in every game. They, they will leave gaps. Whereas I'm not sure those three teams you've mentioned that they've got left to play will. They'll kind of be on the beach, but they'll want to. You look at all their managers: Steve Morrison, proud man, loves Cardiff. Um, he'll want to, you know, he won't let them get the flip flops out yet. Michael O'Neill's clinging on for his job. He knows that he needs to go into that boardroom in the summer. They had a good win against QPR at the weekend. He yes. will want to finish with three successive wins and say, look, this is what we can do. Back me with some players, uh, etc." And then you've got Ryan Lowe, who, again, proud bloke, just finding his way in the championship. And he will want to finish on a high as well in front of his own fans. So I, would, I wouldn't be surprised. Look, I'll probably say this and they'll probably go and win on Wednesday night, but I wouldn't be surprised if Middlesbrough didn't win another game, to be honest. Um, which, and then it wouldn't also surprise me if Wilder went and took the Burnley job because, like I say, there's just something not quite right there. Um, but yeah, I do think Sheffield United will. That last game for Millwall is, I think Millwall will beat Peterborough, but that last game, I think Bournemouth will just have too much for them, to be honest, which is a sad thing for us because I believe we could have caught them, but yeah. they're just going to get enough points, I think. We'll see. We will see. But anyway, it's now time for predictions and obviously Forest have two games. In, we are going to start doing these weekly for the next well, at least two weeks hopefully two weeks I mean I feel like Michael Jordan in the last dance like I've already packed one suit like for, for, the, for the little trips away as opposed to saying like more than that but um, yeah so the next two games to Forest of course are Fulham away on Tuesday night you can, you can watch that on Sky and then Swansea at home which to sell out the city grounds if you want a lucky 30,000 or 28,000 that have got a ticket then you'll be the ones who get to watch everything so start with you Reese. what's your predictions for those two games <laughs> Fulham um, God it's going to be it's going to be t- I was looking at you know glancing at um, saw the odds earlier and they're like under evens to win and we, we're like 4-1 to one, which I was you know which kind of typifies really the, the kind of team you're playing um, and yeah. they, have, they have run away with it Fulham you know you know Mitrovic's goals are 
absolutely crazy. And, you know, they've got a young lad who's signing for Liverpool in the summer. So it was, it's going to be a really tough game. Um, I'd love us to go there and win, I really would. But I do think it'll be a draw. Um, I do think, I think, like I said earlier, is, is it the point they need? I think they'll probably get it. Um, but I do think it'll be a bit to and fro. So I'm going to go 2-2 two, two for that one. Um, I'm sure Mitrovic will have a say at some point. Um, and obviously then going on to Swansea, Swansea are just, if they can sort their defence out for next season, they, they, will, they will probably push towards the top six because they do score a lot of goals. Uh, it's just that they leak so many as well. We, we've seen that last week when our um, rivals got relegated when Swansea chucked a 4-1 lead away against Reading. Um I think we'll. I do think we'll beat Swansea at home. That leak, I think we'll prey on their leaky defence, and yeah, I do think there'll be a few goals in that. So I'm going to go three-one to Forest um, for that one, and then hopefully we'll within touching distance of Bournemouth for that one next week. It's yeah. <laughs> very going to be a very hectic um, 180 minutes of football for us days mm-hmm. over the next five, yeah. uh, six days or so. Uh, Adam, what about you? Yeah, Reese has already touched on it. Fulham is going to be difficult because they want to going to get they want to get over the line and 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 start their party. Obviously, uh, then with a with a probably a few games to go where they can probably just kind of rotate and give give players that they might have next season a chance or whatever. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, really hard to predict. I would love us to just just throw the kitchen sink at them. To be honest. Um, and, and really go for it. And if it, if it means we get beat or, or we draw, then then so be it. But um, I expect us to get out of the traps and, and really go for them, if, if I'm honest, because, um, like I said, Steve Cooper's a serial winner. So um, I'm hoping we kind of catch Fulham a bit flat-footed, but I do think they'll, they'll know that we're going to come, we're going to go really go for it. And I think Fulham fans are half, half hoping that we do beat them because I don't think they even want Bournemouth to go off. That says a lot because Fulham are the Switzerland of football, aren't they? I mean, not many grounds have a neutral end, do they? So, um, I'm going to I'm gonna say that we will beat them 2-1. Um, okay. I, I think I think Joe Worrell is going to uh, actually, no, uh, Ryan Yates to score, and we all sw- swimming in the Thames. So. <laughs> we forgot to even mention that. I mean, on on on, uh, on Monday night, he was doing like breaststroke impressions at the A one. block yeah. and the lower and the lower <laughs> bridge, which I thought was brilliant. Like fair play to like got a good sense of humour. Um, and then Saturday against Swansea, like we said, goals to be expected. Swansea will want to give Steve Cooper a, a royal rollicking because they think. Um, Oh, what's his name? Who's their manager? Ex Russell, uh, Russell Martin, Martin in it, ex Norwich. So, um, I'm going to say it's going to be a bit of a, a goal fest and say 4 2 Forest. Um, yeah, that's what I'm going to go for. Well, I'm pretty old sick of that. Um, I'm, 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 being pre- I'm being really optimistic because I really want second, but yeah, let's, let's, just, let's just be positive. So, Fulham away and then Swansea homely. Fulham away is tricky. I think. I'd rather they had the title wrapped up. I think the fact that um, they've not, well, they kind of have, but bar the shouting, they'll want to get it done in front of their own fans. So that's going to make it a tricky game. I do think we might get beat against Fulham. Um, it has been a while. It's probably been four or five podcasts since I said we'd lose a game. To be fair. So <laughs> I think I do want, I think it'll be narrow though. I think it'll be a 1 0 defeat against Fulham. Okay. And Swansea, again, like I just said, Swansea. 
they play they don't play too dissimilar to Steve Cooper, do they? Um, well, if you ordered Steve Cooper's football off Wish, that's what you'd get. <laughs> Russell, you'd get Russell Martin in his Swansea side, wouldn't you? Um, I think it'll be an open game. I think it'll be quite a, an attractive one for um, if it was on telly. I think a lot of people would want to watch it because both sides will have a go. Um, I'm going to go for a high-scoring affair. I think it might be. 3-1 to Forest. 3-1, nice. Well, I do agree with you, Adam. I do think that Forest is going to beat Fulham 2-1. Um, yeah, I think that it'll be a case of we beat them and fingers and toes crossed, Swansea get a result against Bournemouth and Fulham will celebrate the title anyway. So everyone's happy. We get three points, they get a title, whatever. I, I'm sick and tired of seeing Forest at like promotion pies. I was there at Reading when we lost 1-0 and it secured our safety because of results elsewhere. But Reading won the title that day, won promotion that day. It's so fucking galling seeing other teams do it. Um, I remember we had West Brom once last day of the season. They just secured promotion. We won 2-0 and Gareth Williams scores. I, it's, no, I'm not having it anymore. So we're, we're, we're going to make it miserable for Fulham. We're going to beat them 2-1. Mitch Rich will probably score, but I think we would have learned a lot of lessons from that 4-0, especially that 10-minute period we just caved. That won't happen again, I don't think. So, yeah, I'm pretty optimistic. If Derby can beat them, I mean, come on. We've got a chance. We've got a chance. And um, as for Swansea, I, I, I'm a little concerned. I think they've peaked a bit too late. I think that had this run of theirs come maybe even three games earlier, we could be talking about them as genuine playoff contenders for six, and they would be the team that like as Reese mentioned earlier, would sneak in and would be the ones that no one wants to play because they've got all the momentum with them. But they've left they've left it too late this time around. So it's going to be a difficult game. But you know they're going to want to put one on Cooper again because especially after he humiliated them in their backyards. But again, if Reading can score four goals against them, having been four one down, then I fancy our chances to get at least two. So yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go three three one Forest for that one. And hopefully, with six points in the bag, we'll be going into next week very full of like life and hope. And we'll have to wait and see what happens. I mean, the thing that worries me is that we'll beat these. We'll be <laughs> we'll win. Um, we'll win these these next three games. We'll beat Bournemouth next Tuesday, and we'll fucking lose the whole. And then I'll never forgive the club. We do that. Never forgive them because we'll never lose in the playoffs. It's the most forest thing imaginable. But we'll see. Um, but if that does happen, you have to remember that Forest will still be playing in the Championship next season, which, as we can say for other teams and other business, especially down the road, that's not for everyone. So, anyway, enjoy the week ahead, and we will see you next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.